Welcome from the sunny shores of the Mediterranean. This is episode 40 of our podcast on European marketing and innovation. I'm Alejandro, Paul's co-host. That's right, Alex. The temps are up and the beaches are open in Barcelona. Why don't we have a virtual mojito here in the studio? Sounds nice, Paul. Smooth and refreshing. Like a smooth jazz, cool breezes and... Great design. After all, that's today's focus. We'll be exploring excellence and innovation in design here in Europe. And you're right. The way world-class design affects us is very much like soothing jazz or a brisk breeze. Sometimes we don't even know it's influencing us. Well, you know how much I like workplace as a copywriter. And I do agree. Great design really does have a subtle invisible impact. I can tell the two of you are getting into a creative flow there, and it's nice to see. However, before we go on, perhaps we should define what we mean in this conversation by the word design. Spot on, Carrie. And most especially because we'll be highlighting European design innovation. So, what kind of design are we speaking of? Graphic design, product design, or digital? Your comments are exactly why I'm so happy to be part of this team. And George is right. Today, design is also applied to spaces, experiences, and much more. I could not have said it better myself, guys. Suffice it to say that we'll be first exploring how to cultivate excellent design. And then we'll turn to a true European success story of design innovation. Denmark. Scalvigo. The following content is brought to you by Derby Hotels Collection, European luxury hotels. Enjoy a special 10% discount in London, Barcelona and Madrid with the code BVAlexa at DerbyHotels.com. Paul, I'm glad we are beginning with the fundamentals of design thinking. These are new practices that really do foster innovation. It fascinates me personally. And what I most celebrate is the user-centricity of design thinking. The German agency of our international network, Affinita, has a quote by Frank Cimero on their web that I think says it all. And I quote, People ignore design that ignores people. That's right. In fact, many of our colleagues in Affinita are experts in this field. They involve their clients in brand sprints and workshops to create together. I completely agree. Actually, bad design is characterized by an imbalance between form and function. Listening to a customer's more closely corrects that. Wow, Carrie, you sound like a real design expert. Well, I did ask both Carrie and George to do some research for this episode on the topic, so I'm certain that it has left its mark. Indeed, it has. The very definition of design thinking, clearly sketched out in three steps, commences with one of my favorite words. Empathy. What are the three steps? To quote John Carter from an excellent article he wrote for the European Business Review. Design thinking is an innovation process inspired by empathy for the user, followed by ideation and implementation. It's such a good article that I've added the link to our program notes for this episode. It's in our blog at blog.bevirtual.com. Look for Season 4, Episode 5. Carter goes on to explain that it is an iterative process allowing a cross-functional design team to question its assumptions and focus on the user experience above all else. 
and George, I think you like the outcome, due to your focus on results, relevance and above all, Roy. You did mention that to me this morning, Carrie, I remember. By walking in our customers' shoes, and even involving them in the design process, this helps brands and companies avoid problems later on, and lower support costs. We'll look at this in more detail right after the break. You know, there is a lot packed into the word empathy. In any design process, teams can expand their ideas by really understanding problems customers face. That then can give them a laser-like focus to find the very best solutions. You guys know I'm a techie on the team, so maybe I'm missing something here. When I hear design, I think of the graphic part, like advertising, logos, even web design. But this sounds more like product design. True innovation results from design thinking for all types of design, as Paul mentioned earlier. The key difference is that 21st century designers think first about users' real needs, instead of winning an award at the Cannes Festival. And talking about ROI, excellent design affects the bottom line. It's a competitive advantage for companies who innovate using design thinking. In fact, design-driven companies outperform the S&P 500 by 219%. Or, to say it in a different way, Henry, it all boils down to learning how to listen to the people who buy our services as agencies or our products as brands and advertisers. That leads me to quote John Carter from his article, yet again. He writes, The best listeners yield the most fruitful customer insights. It is much more common for people to have preconceived ideas in their heads that make it impossible to listen. Learn to ask why, five times. Ask questions and then listen carefully for the response. Not just to the one that confirms your bias, but to the response that yields the richest customer experience insights. This may be the best moment to now turn our attention to the European country in focus, Denmark. Not only is Danish design admired the world over, the very size of the peninsula combined with the Danes' DNA has made the country an incubator for design innovation. How would you define the DNA of the Danes? Hmm, I think they can explain that best for themselves. There is an excellent website we have also included on our blog in this episode's program notes. In a nutshell, they highlight the fact that, even as children, they are encouraged in Denmark to question conventional wisdom, to look for something better. They feel that the Danish genetic code thus naturally includes innovation, and entrepreneurship. So when you combine this with an economic system that encourages business risks and provides a social safety net, not only technology can flourish, design can as well. Speaking of Denmark, Paul, I seem to recall that you lived there at one time. Am I right? Yeah, yes, you are. You are right, Carrie. Great memory. In fact, Danish was my first foreign language as a small boy when we lived in Copenhagen for almost two years. We later returned to the United States and I could no longer translate what the Danish milkman said to my mother back then. However, our home was filled with beautiful Danish design, especially in terms of furniture, with a use of teak and clean lines. What would you highlight, apart from furniture design, as hallmarks of Danish design? And why is it exemplary? Oh, that's very easy, at least for me. That would be summarized in three words. Simplicity, 
functionality, and elegance. People the world over seem to agree. I, for one, most certainly do. What I love is that nature inspires their designers, and in Denmark, sustainability is key. Interior design, architecture, fashion, and jewelry are also areas in which Danish designers excel. My girlfriend told me that the Sydney Opera House was designed by a Danish architect. That's true, Henry. Jørn Utzon's design was made reality in 1973 and named a World Heritage Site in 2005. And if we want to pause a moment to talk about famous Danish architects, I'd also mention Bjark Ingels and his company, the Big Group or BIG. Uh, we featured their work for Toyota in season two, episode one, on this podcast. In my own research, I also found Denmark amongst the top 10 most innovative countries in the world in the 2019 Global Innovation Index of the World Intellectual Property Organization. Getting back to design thinking, how does the Danish DNA, as you call it, foster so much creativity in such a tiny country? Paul, perhaps you might want to say more about that. I will just simply say that beyond Georg Jensen, Lego, and Bang and Olufsen, something smells definitely innovative in Denmark. I had no idea that the gaming leader Unity was Danish, and the animated digital children's books of Pebo Co are a big hit in my family. Oh, I'm not surprised, sir. They're really excellent. You know, we've obviously only scratched the surface with the limited time we have here, so I do encourage all of our listeners to explore the additional resources at blog.bevirtual.com. As we conclude, perhaps the answer to Henry's question about Danish creativity can be answered by the founder of Peboco itself. Danes often mention that they have a high level of trust in one another, what sociologists call societal trust. He then goes on to say, and I quote, this calm space and trust in each other, and a feeling that your opinion will be heard, and people will actually listen to whatever idea you have, whoever you might be, I imagine that's the best space to be creative. Alex, I see you listening quite intently. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Hey guys, free idea. We already have an amazing team in Sweden. So why not go Nordic a bit more? We could also open up offices in Copenhagen. What do you think? Not a bad idea at all. Since innovation is paramount in design, you've really got me thinking. Remember to check out our other flash briefings in the podcast section of our blog. Many of the episodes include very interesting chats with European innovators and entrepreneurs. Till then, goodbye from Spain. This flash briefing is brought to you by Barcelona Virtual, a European internet pioneer. To visit us, type the letter B together with virtual.com. That's bvirtual.com. Thank you.